Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Today, we have a syndicated Big Sky Big Takes episode, a collaborative effort of the Big Sky Podcast Network. You're listening to it here on Tubs of the Club, which means only one thing. It is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American log for pow-pow rippers. Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Now crack that snack, sit back, and enjoy this episode of Big Sky Big Takes as it's syndicated throughout the Big Sky Podcast Network. Welcome to a special episode of the Big Sky Big Takes, a production of Montana Mint Sports Pod Network and the Big Sky Podcast Network. It's been over a year since our last episode, and what a year, my God. But we are here to talk about the insane amount of news coming out of the Big Sky Conference over the past couple of weeks. To join me to discuss this all is a very distinguished panel. From the Tubs at the Club podcast, we have Chris Hammond, we got Chappie from the Weber State Weekly Pod. And from the Grizz Fan Podcast, the number one podcast in the great state of Montana, we have Mike Nugent. Guys, let's start at the very obvious place. Jeff Choate is no longer the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. Uh, This news obviously broke last night. Huge news. Um, uh, He's going to be the the linebackers co-defensive coordinator at the University of Texas. Why don't we just start with what your initial reaction was when you heard this news, Chris Hammond. How did you intake this news? Uh, I think it's it's absolutely shocking. You know, he missed his opportunity at the Boise State job. I think when everybody saw that, they thought, you know, that's it. Jeff Choate's returning. He made the the Twitter post. Um, then he started hearing some rumblings, possibly Oregon, possibly UW. But then Texas just kind of out of left field. I don't think I, – I just know last night between our chats and um, some other Bobcats and Twitter as a whole, I mean, everybody would seem pretty taken back that – Texas was the move. Unfinished business. Mike Nugent, what were your thoughts when you heard Jeff Choate was leaving? You know, it's kind of one of those dual, completely shocked that's actually happening, but not really surprised and kind of like I told you guys he might go. Yeah. I told you so at the same time. Um, You know, Texas was shocking at first, but then you actually realize there are some connections there that make sense. I just, it's interesting, and I think it illustrates a bigger conversation we're going to have about Big Sky and just, you know, what does it mean to be a successful head coach in the Big Sky? So, Chappie, you're a couple states removed from this down at down at Weber. What? How are new? How are folks down in Utah processing this news? Yeah, you know, as as soon as Montana State opted out of well, both Montana and Montana State opted out of the spring season, I started to wonder that you know, if things like that could happen. You know, so the, when I first saw it, I was like, "Yep, that's accurate. They're not playing this spring." They, they have nothing there to stay for other than prepping for a fall season that's mon- months away. Um, I'm still very much of the opinion that Boise State hired the wrong guy by not going with Jeff Choate. 
think most people down here that have any Big Sky connection feel that same way. Um, I, I think it's a huge loss for the conference as a whole uh, because we all know college sports, I mean, specifically college football, it's, it's all about coaching. And, you know, you can look no further than a team located just a few blocks away from me here <laughs> as to what, as a shining example of what a good coach can do for a program that before that was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. And what, what do you guys think about the job that he left for? So obviously he was up for the head coaching gig in Boise state. It was, I mean, they flew a private plane into town to interview him for multiple hours. His name was associated to these other uh, big programs that we talked about, but assistant or co-defensive coordinator slash inside linebackers coach. Is, is this a, a good move, a weird move? Is this a move up from where he was? Uh, Chappie, you got some big programs in your state. What, what do you think of this? Well, obviously, by opening himself up as a candidate for Boise State, I think we all knew that there was potentially other opportunities. You know, there had been mention of Oregon, things like that. But, you know, getting a job at a, at a blue blood program like Texas, it's, it's nothing to sneeze at uh, at all. I mean, it's, it's certainly a raise. He's, he's getting a, a good race. <laughs> There's definitely more more pressure that comes with that. And uh, if you're trying to climb the the college athletics ladder, there's very few other programs that can raise your profile as quickly as going to a place like Texas. I mean, good example, even even Manny Diaz, who was fired as the defensive coordinator at Texas, literally the day after giving up 257 rushing yards to an unnamed QB from a small town in Idaho that some people – incorrectly referred to as the Ogden, Utah of Idaho, um, that being our, our favorite place, Pocatello. You know, that guy That guy now is is the head coach at Miami and, and coaching a top, yeah. you know, 15-ranked team. So even if he fails there, there's still a, a lot of upside to it. I think that's right. Mike Nugent, do you agree? Good move? Weird move? Weird weird move, but but good move. I mean, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. And I think that as big site conference fans and fans that, you know, don't want to believe that this could happen to our programs too. It's a bummer. Um, but if you step back and kind of look at it from the bigger perspective, I, I mean, it makes sense. He got passed over for what was probably his kind of next step dream job, Boise state. He put in a lot of time there. He was the pick of, of Chris Peterson who, you know, was, you know, the the greatest coach in Boise's history or I guess it depends on how you look at that. But anyway, um, it, I just, I think that he, he kind of saw the writing on the wall and it's kind of like a lot of professions where if you, if you're not adding things to your resume and hopping around, you're going to get stagnant. And I think he kind of saw like, look, what else can I do at, at, at Montana state? That's going to have me eligible for these jobs. And we've all talked about it. It's like, you look at the history of big sky coaches hopping to, to head coaching jobs and they don't get good ones. You know, I mean, UNLV for, for Hauk a while back. I mean, even Craig Bull from, from North Dakota State going to Wyoming. It's like you got to think like, man, he put he built that program. Like you think that they could get something else. Yeah. And I, I think it's just tough. But I, I think from the conference, it just kind of sucks because conferences to, to be kind of cohesive and, and, and I think have a good flow of things, you need at least one program that everybody hates. And, you know, we're wearing that hat. Um, and coaches that are personalities that people like because, you know, players come and go in college football, but the coaches kind of stand yeah. out. Choate was one of them. So it just sucks. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like he had a five-year plan. I'll be in Bozeman for five years and then I'm going to make a move up. And, you know, this, to me, it kind of, it seems like 
it, it, this was certainly not his top choice, but this was the best option he had out there. He had already decided to leave, so let's let's make a jump to this this Texas gig. Chris Hammond, what what do you think? How would you kind of grade this move for Jeff Jote? It's a weird move. I think a lot of it has to do with I think the Boise State job opened his eyes a little bit more. Yeah, um, started spending you, that money. Yeah, it, it, and you look at it if, if it's about money, right? He, he's looking. He just got his contract extension this summer. He was set to make two hundred and six thousand with incentives, which you'd assume he's make. He's yep. pushing three hundred thousand. Um, I don't have to tell most people on this podcast. Bozeman, Montana, is not exactly the cheapest place to live either. Uh, so three hundred thousand in Bozeman doesn't get you what like three hundred thousand in Moscow or Cheney get you. Um, you go to Texas. The coach that was just there was making six hundred thousand when he was fired. Texas no income tax. So if it's yep. about the money, it makes sense. Uh, I just, I mean, for me, I agree with Mike. It just sucks. He was, you know, BYOE. Bring your own energy. He was personality between media days where he had the trophy next to him and he had like the flexing pose looking up at him. I yep. mean, he was him and Barnum and Fennessy are kind of the guys that are the people tune in just to see what they're going to say. So he's going to be a miss, but I, I posted this on Twitter last night. The last two coaching staffs at Texas have averaged 3.5 years uh, before being fired. So where's Jeff Choate in four years? Cause I don't think it's Texas. And that's where I think risky move people fall out of Texas to get good positions but that's not a guarantee. So yeah. for me, risky move going to a very unstable program and to throw some shade, what some people would call um, Montana heavy because uh, Montana would be Texas light. I like it. Yeah. I mean, look, Jeff Joe loves seeing himself in like all the YouTube videos, all flexed up. <laughs> Think about how good he's going to look on the HD cameras of ESPN on the sidelines of these Texas oh, games. 4K Choate. Oh, or 8K Choate. <laughs> 8K Choate. It is, it is a dream come true. Um, but I mean, look, four seasons played uh, under Choate's direction. Obviously this season canceled. Uh, this most recent season canceled. Uh Four wins over the Grizz. I, I think it, it it's probably too early to talk about his legacy as Montana State's coach, but but let's let's try. Mike Nugent. Now that he's gone, how, how's Jeff Choke going to be remembered as the as the Bobcats coach? I mean, I think he's going to be remembered as the guy that beat the Grizz four times, and either depending on what Montana State does, you know, built the foundation for greatness, or the what could have been, you know, the if coach had just put me in, you know, sort of thing where it's like, it's just unfinished business. And it's so ironic because he posted that on Twitter a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And I know you were sharing it, uh, BT, but, but uh, it's like, I'm so, I love being the coach of MSU unfinished business. And then bam, but it's true. I think that his legacy, first of all, beating Grizz four years in a row will forever cement him as a huge figure in, yes. in Bozeman and in, in cat fandom. And it kind of, if nothing else, they've kind of learned that, you know, <clears throat> they can be on the same level if they want. Now, I'm going to say that with a caveat that they haven't accomplished shit outside of beating the Grizz four years in a row. Yep. So, you know, you got more to do. But, um, I mean, I guess the semifinals this year, sure. But, wow. uh, but, but I mean, I think that it, it sucks. It's It sucks for them. It sucks to, to lose him. And I just, yep. yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think his legacy is unfinished. Chris Hammond, you're one state over. What's from Idaho perspective, kind of big sky, big picture perspective, what's Jeff Jones' legacy? Yeah, I was going to say, because that, that's the caveat here, right? Is in Brawl the Wild, Cat, Grizz, Grizz, Cat, he's become a forever staple in that rivalry. He he is a villain to some and a hero to others. 
But in the big sky, you know, for those of us that watch it casually or don't watch the brawl at all, uh, who is Jeff Choate? I mean, yeah, he made the semifinal run, but uh, I think we were talking about it before this. His his overall record's like 26, 28 or something and 22. Uh, yep. Just a couple more wins than losses. So call him just above a 500-level coach. I know he had to totally rebuild what Ash had kind of left as Montana State as a program, but I, I don't think he built a statue of him. Uh, I, I think he needed maybe one more – a trip to Frisco or two more trips to the semifinal for him to be labeled as one of the best big sky coaches of all time. Uh, especially with our next guest, I'm sure he'll talk about it. Take a comparison to him to Jay Hill right now. Yeah. Who has a better legacy? I'd say Jay Hill. Uh, I think Choate Cho yeah. needed a couple more years to cement himself as one of the best of all time. He'll go down and brawl the wild history as one of the best figures in that. But outside of that, he's just a coach that, turn Montana state into uh, something that hopefully the next guy doesn't crash. Yeah. So, I mean, just to get, get the, the numbers out there, Jeff Choate, uh, 2822. There's been 32 coaches in Montana state football history. He is number 10 uh, tied for number 10 in terms of total wins. He's uh, number 12 or 13 for win percentage. So like in the top third, um, uh, uh, he is in terms of wins, he's tied with Ott Romney, the first cousin once removed of uh Utah Senator Mitt Romney. So that's a that's a fun fact. Hey. Um, uh, uh, Chappie, you know, you down there, you you have Jay Hill, um, as your coach. Um, this is always a risk, right? Like he could leave for a better program, his name is always associated with uh, uh, uh job openings, especially this past off season talk us through how you think this affects uh, Choate's legacy and, and how does leaving a program in the big sky conference uh, when you've kind of built it up affect a, a coach's legacy overall. So there, there's two things here. One, I can very, very much relate to Montana state fans in this situation because we are literally in the same position. <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're waiting for, for our coach to, to get high enough to take that next step if that's what he yeah. wants to do. Um, but to me, the, the thing that I will be sad about when Jay Hill leaves, if if we don't go all the way and see how how good we can be, is the same thing that I think Montana State fans can be going through right now. You know, if this is as good as it gets, was was that good enough? You know, if 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 yeah. you were just watching the golden years, the, the golden era of of Montana State Bobcat football, was was a semifinal appearance enough? That that's the thing. I mean, now down here in Ogden, we we've some people don't want Jay Hill to ever leave. And I've pretty much accepted the fact that, look, you know, if more opportunities come, the man should, should do that. We need to just relish what we have now. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. If, if, if we don't maybe take that next step, it's going to, I wouldn't say letdown. It's going to be sad if we don't yeah. take that next step before he leaves. And to me, that's, that's what I, I, I would say that Montana state fans should, or, or are feeling right now, because, you don't know when this is going to happen again. That's the, that's the thing about the, the good times, the good old days, is you don't know that they're the good old days until they're long gone. So you're saying Jay Hill is not judged off of his winning streak against Southern Utah and <laughs> Idaho State? No. <laughs> Especially, he, yeah. He, did, we did not welcome SUU to, as rivals, according to some articles <laughs> I've read this week. So we aren't even, we aren't even rivals. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and it's like, I know you're going to say it's the same team, but, but Jay Hill has a signature win over Montana in the playoffs. 
you yes. know, a Montana team that had beat them in the regular season. So it's all like, that's why it's like, I'm not trying to knock MSU and I know I'm going to get dragged for it by, by the cat fans that don't like me and kind of don't listen to the nuance of it when I said they haven't, you know, accomplished anything outside of beating the Grizz, but it's like, you know, you look at their record against teams above 500 when, especially when you take out the Grizz and it just hasn't been good. So it's like, what is that next step? And I just, I feel like they're getting robbed of it. And I just, I, I feel bad for them because I feel like they're on the right path and hopefully they can grab someone who can kind of understand and not screw it up. But I'll tell you, I mean, it's like, you know, as Grizz fan, it's like, we used to think that the coaches were interchangeable, but you know yeah. what? Somewhere along the way, something happened and it wasn't the same. So yeah. next thing we knew, we had 35 wide receivers on our roster and, uh, we're, we're losing to the cats four years in a row. Right. Right. Well, hey, but uh, a win over North Dakota State. Right. One win Legacy over North Dakota better, State yeah. and no, nothing else to really speak of. Um, I almost brought that up last night, but I, I chose not. <laughs> so, I mean, I should say, producer Jerry tried his heart out to get a Bobcat on here to get their perspective. Um, reached out to several of, of the, the folks within the Big Sky Podcast Network. No one was taking it. I think these guys are licking their wounds. Um, so, let's close out real quick. One last question here on Jeff Choate. Um, all right. So spring season aside, looking at fall of next year, assume 11 game regular season conference, non-conference. Um, what is your expectation for Montana state next year? And in one sentence, how would you describe the state of the Bobcats? Chris Hammond. Promising. I mean, they, they've got the pieces. Just don't wreck the car. And what's what's your record prediction? Eleven win, eleven win season or eleven game season. With, without having their schedule pulled up, I still assume they'll probably win, pushing double digits. I don't know if they'll get there. I don't know FBS, you know what yeah. what's on their schedule, but they'll be. It's hard to come in immediately to a program like this and absolutely put it down the drain. It usually builds up a little bit to where everyone then realizes the house was on fire the whole time and nobody turned on the sprinklers. Yeah, Mike Nugent. You know, I, I think that the the word's opportunity. I mean, someone could come in there and take the foundation he's built because he has built that program back from just no love, no commitment, no energy at the end of the Ash era and, and turn yeah. it into something where, you know, maybe the next person's better. And, you know, this is the other flip side of it. It's like maybe Choate is this huge motivator and this great, great kind of enabler of young men to reach their potential but he never figured out the offense, you know, four, yeah. co four coordinators in four years, never really took to convince the quarterback. And that was one of the things I think we talked about in their semifinal. It's like you kind of have a ceiling and you got to take the next step. So maybe the next guy takes that step and this is a good thing. Yeah. You know, Bo yeah. Baldwin won a national championship yeah. after uh, uh wolf left. So yeah. Dan Hawkins, Lee of uh, Boise state. Everyone was worried. Chris Peterson comes in. I don't think anybody misses yep. Dan Hawkins yeah. after that. It's a great point. Gappy, any closing thoughts here on Jeff Choate? Yeah. I mean, the, the, it could be a situation where, to me, and, and maybe that's what cements Choate's legacy going forward is what the next steps are, right? Um, good example here locally. Urban Meyer was, was great at Utah. Um, he's even greater because Kyle Whittingham kept it going once he left, right? Um, yeah. the, the flip side of that is what happened at SUU. Uh, Ed Lamb had built that thing up and look, man, they were, they had had more success than they ever had and they were going the right direction and the wheels completely fell off of the car to kind of steal Chris's analogy. So those are the two divergent paths that, that we have to go on here. Now, as far as how many wins they're going to get, 
I think it's, you know, to use SUU as a good example, they, they were still making the playoffs and winning titles, you know, once Ed Lamb left. So I, I think they're yeah. still going to be in a pretty good shape for, for a year or two. Got it. Well, let's let's move on from Jeff Choate. I just have a closing thought. As someone who was blocked by Jeff Choate on Twitter for uh, once tweeting that he looked like a guy who uh, says that he likes IPAs, even though he doesn't like IPAs, that was enough to get me blocked. He's been a great character to have. Um, he's obviously a talented coach. Um, he's being sought out. He did a good job with the program. But if I had to describe the past 24 hours in one word, it would be funny. Um, if I had two words to describe it, it would be extremely funny. Uh, but I think that is probably all we need to do to talk about the Chode era. Um, let's move on to our second segment, opt-outs. But before we do, let's give a quick shout-out to the glorious sponsors of the uh, the various Big Sky Podcast Network uh, uh, podcasts. We got the Montucky Cold Snacks repping tubs at the clubs. Look at that gear. We got the Montana Mint Store making all sorts of cool Montana gear. Look at Chris Hammond's hat. Look at Mike Nugent's hat. Uh, those are both limited edition runs. Uh, and then, of course, the new Wildcat Rack, making all sorts of sweet Weber State gear. Check them out. Help our sponsors. Help grow this little pirate ship that we've created. Um, but the pirate ship is looking a little different for this spring season than, than in the, the fall season. We've had a number of teams uh, opt out of playing in the spring, uh, most notably Montana, Montana State, but also uh, Sac State. UNC, Portland State, out of those five teams, and I should say we don't necessarily know if this is the end of the list, but out of those five teams, focusing on those five teams, who was the biggest surprise um, that, that they opt out of the spring season uh, and why? Chappie, let's start with you. Oh, it's it's 100% the Montana schools. I, I would, when I had was compiling a list of people that I thought would opt out, they were at the very bottom. You know, one, people in Montana are just, tough. I mean, that's, that's the reputation, but, <laughs> but two, like th there's a lot of reason I think for, for Portland and SAC and UNC to opt out. I mean, there, we all know there's a very wide variety of population bases and varying political opinions on, on how things have been handled in COVID. But in those States, you know, in Oregon, California, in, in Colorado, you could see why they would opt out. In fact, I'm still very, very, very worried about the California schools, but 100% the model schools, playing penciled in for sure. But, yeah. you know, we did have com conference commissioner Tom Worcester on, on Weber State Weekly this week, and and he shed some light on it. The thing that he said to us was that they didn't feel like they could get enough practices in, quality practices in with, you know, because they didn't have an indoor practice facility at either of those schools, which was honestly a little bit surprising to me. But um, so I see why. I mean, you can understand why, but it's still still a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, Chris, what about you? Who are the biggest surprises that opted out? <clears throat> so I actually disagree with Chappie. I know when I was making my list, I actually thought Montana's, both of them were not very likely to play. I thought maybe relying on reputation and the ability to not let a chance at a national title or a big sky title, since neither of them have won one in a while, go in a season that they seem primed to do it. But, I mean, you know that no outside practice facilities. It was no secret watching Choate and Hauk in the fall when they announced that they weren't playing neither of them seemed overly excited about the opportunity of playing in the spring. So I thought they were probably my two or three. I thought Eastern was one California school somewhere up there too. Uh, Northern Colorado is my biggest surprise. Yeah. Because six days after Montana, Montana state and Portland state came together on a conference call, all the schools included, they said us three schools, we just don't think it's going to work for us. You nine go ahead and keep playing. 
that's a the joint nine rest of the school said we're all committed to play. Six days, Northern Colorado just pulls one out of their hat and says, ah, no, we, we changed our mind. And I read their press release. My biggest issue is not that they pulled out. Some people think that I'm making fun of them for not playing. No, it's what's changed in six days because their press release did not tell us anything that changed since they yeah. on the previous Friday said we're in. I mean, did a b- bunch of COVID cases happen? It, is there some turmoil in their coaching staff? I, yeah. What changed? And that was the surprise to me is it only took them six days to flop from being committed to not committed. And so for me, Northern Colorado was already kind of wild card. I felt good when they committed. And then they just like slapped me in the face out of nowhere. Six days later saying, oh, we lied six days ago. And that, that yeah. surprised me. Yeah, Mike Nugent, I mean, it, you guys have had a couple guests on, uh, Andrew Schmidt being one, where you know, last fall they were talking about how unlikely a spring season would be to, to come together. Um, what? How are you feeling with, with the Montana schools dropping out? And I mean, Were you surprised at this outcome? No, because, you know, some of our sources have been telling us since the beginning that they just they just didn't see it, you know, some yeah. on, on, you know, on the show being somewhat vocal, but even afterwards saying no, they just don't, they don't see it lining up. I mean, I'm bummed because other teams are playing, you know, and it's like, it's going to suck if there's a small big sky conference season and we're not part of it. It's just gonna be weird. Um, and what does the spring look like in games and stuff like that? I don't know, but it, you know, Andrew Schmidt, you know, for, for those that don't know him, I mean, he's a former Grizz uh, running back, backup running back. His moniker came from our uh, um, our podcast. Um, but he's an NFL players agent now, among other things, and um, practices law. And he was just talking about the, the risk to some of these guys doesn't make sense. And that if they, you know, he said if guys have any potential – for for carrying on, he doesn't think they should play in the spring because he I I guess he doesn't think that the you know it's it's going to play out well for people. So I I just it was an interesting perspective. So I guess I wasn't shocked, but a little bit bummed. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing. I you know had circled a couple games on the schedule. I wish they didn't release the schedule because in my head I was already kind of planning my weekends around like certain games, and um, so it, it is it is disappointing. Not a surprise, I guess, but but disappointing. And, you know, having the two Montana schools sit out, um, they're obviously the biggest draws in terms of attendance. Um, they're the only shows in town in Montana, which gives them kind of a special uh, 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 place in the conference. Um, so we have the Montana schools sitting out. The California schools are looking iffy with Davis and, and Cal Poly. Um, you know, it, does it make sense to... To, to have the season without the Montana schools and with kind of the shakiness elsewhere in the conference, what needs to happen to make sure that the spring season actually happens? Chris Hammond, I want to start with you on this one. Yeah. So to keep it simple, Montana state, Montana, Portland state, Sac state, Northern Colorado opting out does not affect whether this season is worth playing because as long as Weber state is there, the three time defending champs for mm-hmm. everybody else playing in the big sky, there's a chance to knock out the champs. All the rest of those schools haven't won a championship since what Portland state in like 2015 or whatever it was. So you got a chance to knock off the champ. If you're another school Um, also for a school like Idaho, we have a freshman quarterback. There's a chance. Perfect scenario. Won't happen. We go to the Frisco. He could have 14 games under his belt before he's a redshirt freshman in 2022. So if you have some young players, great opportunity to get them. What needs to happen for it to play. You have to have seven teams. 
Did you need six to basically make it into the FCS playoffs as an AQ for a conference? Seven gets you, you know, you play six-game schedule, which the Big Sky seems pretty set on. We've got possibly four more schools that might leave. I think at this point uh, it's worth looking. Uh, you at least have to call Tarleton State and Dixie State. who yeah. are playing this, this spring right now an independent schedule where they're playing New Mexico State as a, their New Mexico State spring game and each other. And I'm like, if you offered them a conference schedule, football-only membership till June 1st, maybe pay them out of whatever their you know their obligations are to the D2 schools they scheduled to come to them, you at least pad your numbers a bit to where now you're allowed to lose four schools and still play, uh, which is what I would say Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, Davis, and Poly are probably the last two on the – or four on the fence – so that, that's what I think needs to happen for the spring to happen. Got it. Chappie, you got you got quite the smile on us. We're talking about if, if this is worth playing. Um, what do you think as a three-time defending conference champ? Of course it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't it? No. Um, <laughs> listen, guys, I just – I very much feel like, you know, the kid from the wrong side of the tracks that moved to the rich part of town and – is just constantly giddy about how how really cool the new house we have is you know like as you guys are saying like you guys are talking about it montana and montana state haven't had a share of a conference title in quite a few years and we've won three straight and four straight looks like a very good possibility and that just seems absolutely obscene to me as a as a a, a lifelong weber state fan <laughs> that's that's where we are um but one more note on i'll just make a quick note on on dixie too to me, Dixie makes a lot of sense. One, because because they are playing. And, and who, how in the world is New Mexico State an FBS team playing spring football? That is the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. But two, I, you know, I have family in St. George. I was I was there a couple weeks ago, and I went to a basketball game at Dixie between Dixie and um, New Mexico. And honestly, it was weird, one, being in like a, at a live sport event. <laughs> but like St. George is a town – does not seem to really care too much about world events. So they'll have a bunch of people at that stadium too. <laughs> not only will, will they be happy to have games, they might just fill the place up. Oh my God. That's interesting. That'll be a, a fun <laughs> wrinkle to track throughout the entire spring. I, I retract my statement. <laughs> <laughs> it's something else. Seriously. I'm sitting in the arena. And I'm like, I'm at a live sporting event. How, how, how long has this been? And I'm like, the student section was as full as any student set. It had more students than Weber State student section had in it ever, and that that is alarming to me. But it, it was it was a surreal surreal feeling, and yeah. Man, how do man. how do Weber State students not love the basketball program? This is a conversation for another time. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I just, you brought that up and it triggered me. It it, tr um, it, it triggers me like constantly. <laughs> So we got, you know, looking at the spring season, we have, let's assume we have the no more dropout. So California schools coming in, um, full other seven playing. Who's who's the favorite to win? Is it Weber State? Chris, what do you think? Is Idaho got going to make a run here? No, I've, Idaho is smart. They would play a lot of young players and utilize free eligibility. So no. Um, that being said, Petrino has to get stuff rolling weaver state i mean montana state had a tough schedule montana was probably the next closest to being able to challenge them with them opting out obviously schedules are going to change so we'll have to see how all that lines up but you got to assume weaver because everybody left other than eastern washington has like no pedigree of being any good um so we'll see what eastern can put together but otherwise i think it's weavers to lose that's for certain 
What about I you, def- Mike? I definitely think it's Weavers to lose. My question for you two with, you know, teams still playing is w- at what point do the questions about, well, Montana, Montana State weren't in it matter versus not matter? And you're shaking your head because, yeah, they haven't won 2000, since 2015. I-, I call BS. Like, teams that don't play Montana in this weird Big Sky Conference schedule always in the back of their head think, I wish we could have played them so that we could show that we beat them. If I have a trophy in our trophy case, I do not care. <laughs> hey, I hate to break it to you, but you are not going to have a trophy. In trophy <laughs> no, but that's why if we got one, that would be the last thing I would be worried about. <laughs> there's, there's, there's like an Idaho potato bowl trophy there. It's still yeah. like collecting dust or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> fake potatoes. Don't even, they don't even have money for real potatoes. They're fake foam potatoes. So, I love it. Is King Spud still in the still no. in the mix? No, it's hidden at Idaho State somewhere. That needs to be brought back uh, immediately. Um, it, you know, I, so Chappie, I want to get. I'm assuming that you think Weber is going to be uh, the favorite to win the conference, get the automatic qualifier for the playoffs. Um, let me know if you agree with that. But also, how many teams do, from the Big Sky Conference do you think are going to get into this the uh, FCS tournament? We get two. We get two, I think, unless something catastrophic happens and we don't have, you know, if if the top two finishers in the conference are Idaho State and Cal Poly because everybody else had to, you know, sit out because of of cases or whatever, then, yeah, we probably don't get two in. But (laughs) other than that, I I think we do. Um, Now, to Mike's point, Mike, I'm going to say you're correct. Like, there is a little bit of a caveat to not playing – the Montana schools, quite quite frankly, there is. But in all seriousness, we don't give a damn because we've never been here and we just, we want to win at all expenses. Like it doesn't, I'm going to say all expenses in a COVID year. I'm not going to go that far, but like there's blood in the water and I we can tell that the coaching program senses that and there's opportunity afoot. And for a program whose, whose history of being really good is not, very good other than the past few years we don't we don't care how we get it honestly (laughs) and for the record i mean i'm with you like i if i was one of these other schools i'd say f it let's go you know and and we're we're playing the teams we're playing and we all got to deal with it and if we win we win and we get it you know so i'm with you i think that's the right approach um i just do some fans are weird no they are but i will say this i mean outside of weber you know chris when you said that eastern washington had Hadn't done anything. I I can hear the keyboard clicks on Kyler's keyboard right now. Like I can <laughs> from from all the way. I'm I'm states away and I can hear it. I mean they were they were in guys they were in the semifinal they were in the finals they were in the no no I said so I meant other other than Eastern as in Eastern <laughs> oh, the other okay, school cool. that's done anything yes so I, no they're the only team that really can challenge like considered a quality win that's really left on the schedule basically yeah outside Sorry. of outside of, of weber eastern washington yeah. is the team that i'm worried about i we did we did not have them on the schedule i i imagine they will put them on the schedule Definitely. um eastern yeah. washington that's gonna be a big game that's gonna be the biggest game in the conference this year um eastern has eric Berrier coming back they, they they could very well out, not picking my own team not being too big of a homer that's that's the other school that i'm worried about not Eric Barrieri going into his thirteenth season at, at Washington, seemingly. Um, it, so not having the Montana schools in, it's like if you look at this season's NFL, like the Buffalo Bills are probably thrilled they won the AFC East, but part of them is probably disappointed they didn't beat Tom Brady and the Patriots to win 
the the AFC East. There, I don't think a, the Bills care. No, Bills fans are just like Weber State fans in this regard. We do not care. <laughs> and they actually, might I care until that, that first fireball shot. And exactly that drive broke home to me. It's like that is like a drop on the table. Yep. So, Chris, do you agree? Two tournament teams. Does that seem about right? Uh, I actually think we might be flirting with one. I mean, right now the CAA has everybody but Towson playing. The Missouri Valley has everybody but Indiana State playing. So that makes me a little worried that if it's only Weber and maybe they beat Eastern Washington and Eastern Washington loses to the Mighty Vandals with two losses, I don't think anybody else, Pauly Davis, is going to have the resume to make it in. So I could see – most likely one. There's still a chance to. It really just depends on what Eastern's able to do. Got it. And you know, we are a few weeks away from from the season actually starting up. If the the Sharks in Vegas called you, said, "Look, we don't understand the Big Sky Conference. We need you to put the odds on. Is the Big Sky uh, Conference spring season going to happen? All of this is riding on you. What odds do you set, Mike Nugent?" I think, honestly, I think 50-50. I, I, I think that it's more likely than not at this point because I think the teams had their chance to drop and didn't, and now it's kind of like to to the Northern Colorado question, it's like, what's changed? Yeah. But I still think there's some unknowns out there. You know, the, the vaccine rollout's not going quite as quickly as people had hoped, um, and there's a money thing. And it's like, I, I, I've been on the record, but I just don't see how Eastern, in their financial situation, does this, but I guess the flip side is they worry they lose donors if they don't. So I, it's yeah. it's so weird. I don't know. From a donor situation, it's almost better for Eastern if other teams drop out. They have to cancel the season for a non-Eastern related reason, and then you don't have that kind of hanging over like we pulled out of the season. Uh, but uh, uh, Chappie, what do you think? What would you put the odds at? Ninety-five percent, man. Five percent. I love it. Right. No, if, if I'm being realistic, I'm saying more like seventy. Um, we, I, I say that we down here are probably drinking the Kool Aid a little bit more because of proximity to the conference office. Uh, yeah, they they have to be optimistic, and we interact, you know, just in our day to day lives with with a lot of conference employees. You know, they're they're just they're around here, so um, we might be drinking the Kool Aid a little too much because the conference has to be optimistic. <laughs> So, but, but if I'm saying it, I'm going to say 70%. And, and Mike's point is exactly right. To me, like the, the crux of all this, there's two things. It, it's going to be when practice starts, which is going to be, I believe, next Saturday for pretty much everybody. To me, that's when we start getting like, okay, this is for real. It's going to be really hard to opt out at this point. But the other side of this is the other conferences, you know, the Missouri Valley and the CAA, the other two of the quote unquote big three, if, if they're in, we find a way into I if they start to have a bunch of opt-outs on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then yeah, I think you start having a situation in college football like you had, you know, in the fall where it became the the power struggle between the SEC wants the season to happen and the Pac-12 doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to win? <laughs> and 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 I think you know, in, in this case, um, right now we're without the other schools having mass opt-outs this week. I think we're we're pretty much in. Yeah, Chris Hammond, where do you set the I- odds? I'm a little more pessimistic, which is actually rare for me. I'm like 25, 30%. Um, Northern Colorado was a huge wild card, but I mean, we're down to nine. We can really only afford three more losses. And unfortunately, 
Governor Newsom and Inslee just seem to me like those states are not loosening up anytime soon. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be taken out of those schools' hands, unfortunately. Um, you still have six, but can you play a five-game schedule? I don't know. It's where Tom's going to have to earn his money as commissioner. I'm a little bit more pessimistic. Uh, if we got an announcement of Dixie and Tarleton, I'd probably move up to like a 70%, 80%. But um, right now, without any news of them even being included in conversations, I'm a little more pessimistic because we really – there's four teams, Southern Utah we're about to talk about, I just think there's four teams that possibly will opt out, and that's one too many for us. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's move on to Southern Utah. So we've been talking now for about 40 minutes about off-season news. A team leaving the conference is what we're closing with. Um, it is the fourth most important thing that's happened over the past few weeks. Southern Utah's leaving. They're going to the whack. Um, does anybody care, Mike Nugent? No, no. Anybody who's listened to me the last few years on our pod knows that we need to start retracting teams in the big sky. And as long as it's not the core ones that I like, which, you know, two of you are on this pod, yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Chappie, is, I mean, you guys have a, a, a bitter rivalry. Is this a big deal for the conference that they've left? Huge, huge rivalry. We always win. <laughs> um, it's, it's not a loss. And with all due respect to the, to the folks in Cedar City, so to me, the real loss here is not grabbing Dixie and SU's place. Okay. Um, and, and now it's not ever going to happen because they're going to be in the same conference going forward and it's going to be what it is. Um, if any of you guys have ever watched Parks and Rec, let me put it to you like this. Okay. Cedar City is 100% Pawnee and St. George is 100% Eagleton. Like that is <laughs> there. You, you have no idea how incredibly accurate that parallel is until you spent a, a little bit of time in, in each city. Okay. Um, Cedar City is a fine city, but it's definitely a school focused more on the arts than it is um, athletics. And it, it's, you know, yeah, I, I'm with Mike, however, that the California schools could go and the conference could be a little bit more traditional and, and we could play each other every year. And that, that's the that's the big sky I would ideally like to see. Yeah, it would. Uh, we got to cut down uh, numbers and. I just don't know what the solution is when you have teams like Portland State and, and others. And this is something we talk about season after season after season. But with Southern Utah specifically, Chris, do you think this is a big deal for the conference to lose to lose them? Hot take. Every team with a direction in front of their university name or included in it, drop them. Eastern, Southern, Northern. Whoa. Eastern. Oh, Whoa, throwing down. On. On. Eastern's where my heart's kind of like, oh, I don't want them to go because they're fun to play. A yeah. little engine that could, but uh, why not rebrand Eastern Washington? Why not rebrand? There's a there's a state legislature right now to break Eastern Washington. It won't pass, obviously, call it, but to break up Washington, west of the mountains to Washington and east would be now be called the state of Liberty. Oh, so it could be, be an actual new state. Yeah, so Liberty State University or University <laughs> of Liberty, depending on what Washington State wants to be first. I guess they probably get first pick of that letter, but there's a chance they could be <laughs> they could be the University of Liberty Eagles. That's got a nice ring to it. Oh man, that that would well. Not that I think we're gonna not. have bigger conversations if Washington <laughs> is shattering into multiple states, uh, but that is one possible outcome. Um, and we've kind of touched on this already, but yeah, Southern Utah. They're leaving. We're now down to uh, what thirteen football schools without them. Uh, what is, is it? Is it a big deal that or do, do we need to replace them? Uh, Chappie, do we need to replace Southern Utah in the conference? We do not. Um, and, and I will say this: I'm actually excited for the WAC to come in. 
because yeah. I've thought for quite a long time that there needed to be another FCS conference in the Western United States, right? To me, that's actually exciting because um, their membership, I think, is going to turn over. And honestly, seriously, if they have plans to become an FBS conference in 10 years, that membership is going to turn over 90 to 100% to, to get them there because it's just not going to happen with what they have now. But um, I, I'm, I'm really excited for the WAC to come in because I, I think that's going to that's gonna create more opportunities and maybe a little bit more leveling of, of the big sky to be, I think, what we all agree that it should be, which is a little bit more um, traditional and <laughs> Rocky Mountain based. Is that the best way to say it? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's right. Chris, do we got to replace these guys? Uh, football, no. In fact, I like uh, somebody threw it when we were talking Boise State. You use this as leverage. Um, if Boise State comes knocking because they possibly are looking for a home for their Olympic sports, you leverage that and say, you know, full membership or nothing. Uh, and you leverage that and you go to the California schools in Davis and Pauly. And you say, same offer to you. We give it to Boise State. We're giving it to you. Either bring all your sports to the sky or you're out. That way, we trim the sky down to nine, nice, easy number without really burning any bridges. That's a fair offer to give uh, every school. Otherwise, I think you do look at replacing them for Olympic sports since they were a full member, in which case you look at that whack. Seattle U fits that footprint. The only issue is you'd be uneven again at 11 uh, full members, so you probably want to find that 12. But right now, we're at 10 uh, full member schools, so... I mean, that's a, that's a good number for Olympic sports. So it's kind of hard to mess with, but I'd like to see maybe Seattle U and somebody fill in for Olympics. Uh, I think that'd be beneficial to the conference in terms of being able to play basketball in a city like Seattle and give Portland state kind of a fun rival. Yeah. Nuge, what do you think? I'm on the record. I would take Boise state for Olympics in a second because I think it solves, it solves a problem. And I know you guys are both shaking your heads, but where where else are they going to go? They're not going to, they're not going to go to this conference. They're they're, they're not a religious based institution, especially after like the whole chaplain thing. Like they're not going to go to the West coast conference. So where else are they going to go? Maybe the Missouri Valley. (laughs) I should send you guys the statesman, man. Here's why. why. It's like, I know we're really talking football, but it's like, I think, for Olympic sports, if we could get Boise State on our basketball schedules, we need a few more basketball schools because you yeah. need a better schedule that way. And Boise State's a program that actually, you know, cares. They they invest in their program. So it's like I would rather have them than one of these California full members that does nothing. You know, have you seen what, what is it, Portland State's gym or Sac State's gym? It's like a high school gym, you know? So I'm on the record as I would take Boise State's Olympics as a as a good member. <laughs> I Listen, feel like if, if there was a motto for Portland State, it would just be high school facilities. Across the board, they are just so disappointing. Um, speaking of basketball, we got a uh, midseason episode coming next week talking all things Big Sky Conference basketball for those that, that care. It's been actually a pretty good season. And I think it's like worth mentioning um, this has been a super complicated uh, year for a conference like the Big Sky. I think they've done an excellent job. Um, in terms of communicating what they're doing. Uh, I've been impressed with how the basketball season's gone off. It can't be perfect um, under the conditions that we're in, but uh, I think they're doing as good as you can. And for a smaller conference, it's it's just nice to see. As a fan of a Big East basketball school, I feel like we're not getting the same transparency that we're getting for the big sky. But giving the the schools the opportunity to be flexible, uh, making decisions like, like they have been, hats off to the Big Sky Conference and the leadership team over there uh guys i think that's all we have planned i'll go around the horn one more time to see if anyone's got some closing thoughts and Chappie, we will start with you my closing thought is this um i'm I'm, as the as the junior member of the big spike big sky podcast network 
we just appreciate the welcome that everybody's given us. We are more than happy to accurately portray the annoyingly happy, overly religious guy that every one of you either currently knows or knew in junior high and high school. It's our cross to bear, pun intended. And we are we are more than happy to give all of you a big skyland, the, the happy eternal smiles that we just apparently have. I love it. Well, welcome aboard. What an addition to have some enthusiastic Weber fans. This has been a multi-year process trying to get uh, uh, some of you guys on here. So it's it, we're very, very happy to have you as part of the team. Uh, Mike Nugent, any closing thoughts on this this weird January Big Sky Big Takes? Yeah, you know, I would just I would just kind of say the echo the welcome. I I think it's awesome to have have you guys on board. And you know, uh, Montana and Weber have kind of had this thing for a, a long time in basketball and kind of go back and forth. But it's been fun with football, and it's like you know, uh, I've been to a couple games, Grizz games there the last few years. You know, Brent and I drove up for the playoff game, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I, I Weber's got fans that care, and I think it's great. You know, we need more of this. And I will say what I was going to plug before you know we needed to thank you for being here uh, <laughs> was um, now that Chappie and uh, Weber State Weekly are on board with the uh, Big Sky Podcast Network, uh, we're going to start an offshoot on uh, tailgating food channel. Yeah. So we need feedback from our Twitter friends if this is a good idea or not. Because if, if you follow Chappie on Twitter, you get some good, uh, good occasional ideas of what he's making and it's worth it. Well, we had to delay the start of this episode by five minutes because he was taking muffins out of the air. <laughs> Uh, kids, kids wanted breakfast. What am I saying? Why am I up at 6 a.m. making muffins? I don't know. Uh, Chris, let's end with you, the pod father of Idaho. Any closing thought? Uh, now that we've given Weber State their participation uh, a medal, I guess the uh, only thing I want to plug is, you know, if you know a Montana State fan, they're probably really down in the dumps. Go buy them a beer today. It's a, it's a tough time to be a Bobcat, but keep your chins up, Bobcats. We covered it. There's still a lot of hope and potential at that program. You know, the Grizz fan pod pointed out to him last night that they still had us and they haven't thanked us. So yeah, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, R and R guys, we love you. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think they're licking their wounds and they probably recovering from a handful of beers that they consumed last night. A lot um, of Jeremiah Johnson going around the Bobcat. Bobcat <laughs> yeah. right now. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out uh, Big Sky Podcast Network on uh, on Twitter, uh, on, on Facebook, anywhere. Check out all of our shows if you're a fan of the Big Sky Conference. And we will talk to you at some point in the near future. See you, everybody. Yeah.